there's a concept out there that, that says that when we preach the gospel, when we preach the good news, that we need to put people under law before we can put them under grace. That we need to show how sinful they are before we can tell them their sins are forgiven. That we need to focus on the wrath of God on man before we can tell them the wrath of God fell on the lamb for man. Now it sounds logical. It sounds, you know, like that sounds like it, that could be right. But saints, it is so far from the truth. It is not what Jesus taught. Jesus did not tell the apostles to go into all the world and tell the bad news <laughs> and follow that up with the good news. And the apostles did not tell the people in the book of Acts. It's so awesome to do a study of the book of Acts. Go through the book of Acts and look at every message that was preached by every apostle or non-apostle. Uh, Stephen and others that preached. Look at every message that was preached in the book of Acts. Every single one. And not a single speaker felt obligated or, 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 or made any effort to put their hearers under law, so to speak, or under condemnation, or to point out how sinful they were before they preached Jesus. It's awesome. So what's going on here? What, what is, you know, what is, why do we have this mentality? I mean, we've heard, you know, Jonathan Edwards' classic book, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and we look at that as a great message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and, and that's what we need to do to prepare people to receive grace. I say no. That's, what, that's why Jesus was so uh, different. They said no man ever spoke like him. No man. See, all the prophets talked about sin and judgment and, and a holy God and sinful man. They were used to that. They knew that. They knew that man was sinful. They knew that God was holy. That's why they had sacrifices in a temple. That's why they had judgments that would fall on them at times because of their sin. All these things. Elijah would call fire down from heaven and burn his enemies. But when Jesus came, he began to speak in a way that the crowd said, no man has ever spoken like this. Even the Pharisees who were uh, the experts on the law sent their spies to listen to him and their spies would come back and say, no one's ever spoken like this. He's awesome. And the Pharisees would get mad at their own spies. Like, what are you doing? You gonna be, are you going to be his disciple too? What's going on? The whole world is going after him. The cities would empty to hear him. What was he saying? What was he doing? What was the message that would draw people to him? Why did he say, if I be lifted up on the tree, I will draw all men unto me? If he is judged for our sins on the tree, he will draw all men to himself. The scripture says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads men to change their minds about themselves and about God. I believe, saints, the reason why there's this difference in the way the gospel is preached in some circles as it was in the book of Acts is, is a fundamental lack of faith in what God really came to do. A lack of understanding and lack of faith in what God really came to do in Christ. Jesus said that the Pharisees honored him with his, their lips but their hearts were far from him. And in many cases, you can honor God with your lips and say, oh yeah, I believe we're righteous in God. And oh yeah, because it's scripture, you know, you can't get around the scripture. 
but the heart of revelation is missing. That God was doing something very, very different in the earth when he came, very different. If I had to summarize the gospel or the good news, I would say this, and there's a lot you could say, of course, but just to summarize it, I would say this. The gospel, the good news, the good news, and, and let's don't go back past that too quickly. It's good news. It's not bad news. It's glad tidings. I would say the good news is that God is no longer counting my sins against me. And he has created me a new person. All because of the death and resurrection of the Christ. The death took care of my forgiveness. The resurrection is the new creation. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's the gospel. If we don't see that the gospel is that he has stopped counting sins, for the scripture says, in this new covenant, I'll remember your sins no more. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account anymore. If you're not under law, law is not, sin is not imputed. If you're not under law, there's no transgression. In fact, you're not only not counting our sins against us, Lord, you're counting your righteousness for us. Isn't that awesome? And you can't have both at the same time. You can't have your sins counted for you, against you and righteousness counted for you at the same time. It's so cool. God did it this way because it's impossible to have both at the same time. You cannot mix life and death. And that's what this whole thing is about, you know, putting people under law before they can put them under grace. It's a mixture. It's preaching two covenants at the same time. God never said preach the old covenant and then tell them, oh, by the way, that one's over. Now preach the new covenant. It doesn't make any sense. God is not the author of confusion. The problem is we're afraid to preach the new covenant in some circles. In fact, I've had people tell me before, you can't tell people they're forgiven like that. You can't tell people that they're a new creation. You can't tell them they have a new heart. The scripture says we have a new heart. Now we have a new heart. We're not looking for sin in our heart anymore. We were. We did have an evil heart. Jeremiah says the heart is desperately wicked and evil. We were in the flesh. We were in our sins. We were of the old Adamic race. But a new creation has come of Christ raised from the dead. A new heart has been given to us in him. Amen. Behold, all things have become new. Power of sin is now relegated to our physical bodies. In our members, the power of sin is still there in our members, which is why it's called the flesh. The power of sin is in our members, in our weak earthen vessels. But the Spirit of God puts to death the deeds of the body when we walk in the Spirit. It's awesome, awesome truth. It's kind of like this. If, you know how when you have a phone, you buy a new phone and you, and you get... Uh, by the warranty in case you drop it in water or something. And so if you do drop it in water, you take it back and they give you, you what you may think is a new phone, but it's not a new phone. It's a refurbished phone. And what happens is all these people that are dropping their phone in water all over the world, they send their phones back because of this warranty. And so you get one of those phones that they worked on and got all the pieces out and put new pieces in and made it work good and they send you. So you've got a refurbished phone. God did not refurbish us. That's the, that's the point. He did not 
The scripture says, if you're a new creation, it, in the Greek, it actually says a new species. He didn't just put a new coat of paint on the car. He gave you a brand new car, Bob Barker, a brand new car. <laughs> but it's so true. It's awesome. You see, if you see the Christian life as a refurbishing, then you will focus on sin because you're working on it. You see, if you see the, the, the work of God as a refurbishing of the old instead of the death of the old, Paul says, know you not the old man has died and the new man has been raised in the likeness of him who was raised from the dead. So if you see, if you don't see the Christian life right or the gospel right, it makes sense. You're working on the flesh, basically. You're trying to improve the flesh. You're trying to work on the old man. And so you need to find out what's wrong with the phone. You've got to find out what's not working, what is working, so you're focused on the phone. Whereas in the new covenant, God says, forget the old phone and enjoy the new phone. Enjoy the new phone. Look at all the apps. You know? I'm serious. It's like... See, religion says this. Religion says that the longer you walk with God, the more you are aware of your sinfulness. The more you are aware that you are but a worm. That's taught. That's taught with passion. That you are a worm. And that God is holy, which he is. And he is far above. And, you know, you can't just run into his lap. I mean, he is holy. And you are man. And you are sinful. And the longer, I'm talking about a Christian. This is what's taught to Christians out there. To Christians. And the longer you walk with God as a Christian, as a believer, you become more and more aware of your worminess and God's unapproachableness. That's what's taught. And that's what's believed by a lot of believers out there. The truth is this. The gospel teaches us this. The longer we walk with God, the more we are aware of His incredible, unconditional love and grace toward us. Number one, we become so aware that he's not counting my sins against me. I just blew it and he loves me anyway. I can come boldly to a throne of grace, boldly, not timidly, to find help and mercy in time of need. And secondly, we grow in this walk and this journey with the Lord. We grow in this incredible sense of dependency, dependency on him. We realize we can do nothing without him. And that's awesome because the burden's off our shoulders. He's not asking us to do it. He says, rely on me. I will do it. Just like he said, the father did the works through him and the father spoke the words through him. He says, as I live by the father, you shall live by me. And so now in him, the new creation is actually hardwired. The new creation is hardwired in a, in a place of dependence on him. In fact, the life of Christ is the life of the new creation. It's hardwired that way. He's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. As we simply abide in him, we bear much fruit. And the third thing that happens is we grow in this incredible thankfulness. I mean, you're thankful for everything. 
You really do. You become so thankful. So thankful for all that he is and all he does. And there's such a rest in it. You grow in, you grow in this sense of, of love. You grow in this sense of dependency. You grow in this sense of thankfulness. But you know what's so exciting too about the new creation in the, in the Christian life is whereas over here religion says look into your, your flesh and, and search your evil heart. They, they speak that to believers. Look into your evil heart and find the sins you need to repent of, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas the new creation is, God is saying, look into who you really are. Explore, not the flesh. Paul says, no good thing dwells in my flesh. If you look for sin in the flesh, you'll find it. No good thing dwells in the flesh. But God is saying, look at the new you. For we've been created new, the scripture says, in Christ Jesus unto good works that we merely should just walk in them. Created. Created. An act of creation. We don't, we're not evolving into sons and daughters of God. We're not evolving into righteousness. We're not evolving into holiness. It's an act of creation. Only God can raise the dead and call into being that which did not exist before, and He did it. It's exciting. Now I can look at Him and see who I am in Him because I've been created new in His image. And as I see Christ, I see me. I see Him. I see me. I see Him righteous. I see me righteous in Him. I see Him a son, the son. I see me a son. I see Him an heir of God. I see me joint heir. I see Him in union with the Father. I see me in union with the Father through Him. I see Him Seated in the heavenly realms. I see me seated with him in the heavenly realms. I see. You see it? It's awesome. Explore who you are in him by looking at him. It's awesome. This is the good news. You see, the reason why I believe they believe you have to look at the depths of sin to appreciate grace is because they don't get it. It's not a matter of refurbishing the flesh. What do you have to know? What do you have to know about the flesh to become a new creation? What do you have to know to exchange the broken phone for the new phone? What do you have to know? Do you have to know all about the broken phone? Do you have to know the depths of the depravity of that phone? Do you have to know the depravity of that app that will not work? Do you have to know all the inner workings of that phone to get the new phone? No, you just have to know it doesn't work. That's it. The thief on the cross said, we deserve this. Talking to his co-thief and he said, why are you mocking him? We deserve this. But he has done nothing wrong. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Remember me. That's all he said. Did he know the depths of his depravity? Did he repent to the very core of his being? <laughs> he simply saw his need. It doesn't work. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus pushed up on his feet in great pain, trying to breathe, to utter words of encouragement to him. And he said, truly, Truly, I say to you, this day you will be with me in paradise. 
see, it's not a matter of knowing the depths of the flesh because he is not, he is not working on the flesh. It's a new game. He has made the wisdom of this world void because he started a new creation. Many prophets and kings desired to hear this and they did not, Jesus said. A new thing has come. The prophet said, behold, consider not the things of old. I, I do a new thing. When Jesus came, see, it was just a matter of them knowing their need and they would just call out to him. It's just a matter of knowing your need. That's why we don't have to convince people about how sinful they are. We just have to tell them Jesus died for your sins. Jesus is your righteousness. Jesus did it. He did it. You can be new. Believe only. Believe on him. He who believes on him shall receive the forgiveness of sins. Well, you say, well, how are they going to know that they're a sinner if you don't tell them how bad they are? Because the scripture says in Romans 2 that every person from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil has the law inside of them. Romans 2. From the tree of the knowledge of right and wrong, it's inside of every one of us. That's why little babies grow up saying, that's not fair, that's my toy. Where do you get a sense of fairness? A sense of justice in a child? Because it's in there. Knowledge of right and wrong is inside of us from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the scripture says when the Holy Spirit has come, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit has come, the Spirit will convict the world of sin because, and this is the one sin, the essence of all conviction of the Holy Spirit to the world, not to the believer, but to the world, is because they believe not on Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So when you preach the good news, the Spirit does the convicting. When you say, He has forgiven you of your sins, they know, they know they're not perfect. They know. And the Spirit will take that word and convict them of sin. And they have to have a choice to either believe Him, believe on Him that they, are, that they might be forgiven or not believe. Isn't that awesome? It's so simple. It's like proclaim the good news that He has forgiven them of their sins. Trust the Holy Spirit to convict, convict the world of sin because they believe not. But if they do believe, the next thing Jesus said the Spirit will do will be to convince them that they are righteous. Because I go to the Father. That's code or that's shorthand for I go to the Father through death and resurrection. I go through the cross. That's what that means. I go to the Father. It's a phrase he used in reference to him leaving the earth through death and resurrection. So he says the Spirit will convince the believer of righteousness because I go to the Father. Isn't that awesome? And the third thing the Spirit will do is convince the believer that the prince of this world has been judged. The one that accuses you has been judged. He's been judged. Don't let him accuse you anymore. Isn't that awesome? So the Holy Spirit is sent to do these things to, in the world to make people see their need for him, need for a Savior. But you don't have to know the depths of your, your, your depravity to simply believe on him. Because God's not working on that. If he was working on that, yes, we would have to know all about the flesh. We'd have to work on the flesh. We'd have to know where we're missing it here, where we're missing it there. Let's work on here. Let's... But if, if God is going to say, no, okay, I, all I need you to do is see that you need me, that you need a Savior. All you need to do is say, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. 
Jesus said, the man who said, be merciful to me, a sinner, went down justified, where the other one said, I'm glad I'm not like the other men. I do this and I do that. He didn't see his need. The whole work of God is so simple and so awesome because he's not trying to fix the old. He is raising a new. The old man has died and the new man is raised in him. And the rest of our journey on life is looking at him that we might see who we are in him. It's a different dynamic. It's not like religion. But we got a clue. We got a clue. God gave us a clue in the Garden of Eden when he told Adam and Eve. He said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? That was a clue. God was giving us a clue of his ways. His way is not to point out our nakedness that we might get clothed. His way is to clothe us and to show us what he did. It's a rest. It's so awesome. It's such a rest. So we have this new phone. And see, that's why, it just, why even worry about the old phone that doesn't work? Because it's not the issue. You've got a brand new phone that we can explore and look at and, and see who we are in him. We look at, the Paul says we look at Christ as if we're looking in a mirror and seeing ourselves. And we are transformed outwardly. It comes out of us from glory to glory as we behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's God's way of seeing who I am in Him. I'm holy the moment I'm born of Him. Holy and blameless, the Scripture says. Otherwise, at what point over here are you holy enough for heaven? At what point are you holy enough for fellowship with Him? At what point are you holy enough to run into His arms? See? But the way God did it, it's instantaneous. It's an act of creation. He creates us new in Him. I heard about this German philosopher that I believe was a believer because re reading some of his stuff, it's, he talks about the gospel and all, but his name was Arthur Schopenhauer, something like that, spelled S-C-H-O-P-E-N-H-E-U-R, Schopenhauer, German philosopher. And he said this, he said, truth goes through three stages. He lived in the 1700s, uh, died 1860, I think. He said, truth goes through three stages. And I thought, this was a lot of wisdom, I thought it was pretty cool. First, truth is ridiculed. Secondly, truth is violently opposed. And thirdly, it is accepted as self-evident. Isn't that cool? That is true. That is a true statement, worthy of all acceptance. But isn't that cool? That, because you have this, that's exactly, you see how Jesus came on the scene, the gospel comes on the scene, and first it's ridiculed and mocked and scoffed at. You know, you can't just tell you know, you can't just say they're forgiven because of his death on a tree. This because of this Messiah's death, everybody's forgiven. What do you mean a new creation? It's scoffed. It's ridiculed. And then, secondly, when religion sees what's it, what's going to cost religion, a loss of power, loss of control, it's violently opposed. And then some get it by revelation, and it's accepted as self-evident. I love that. Like, why didn't we see this before? Of course. Of course. I mean, why didn't we see this? It's self-evident. Why didn't we see this? It's so cool because 
God is not the author of confusion. Look, God is not in a mixture. Even in the Old Testament, he said, don't plant, I forget which seeds, but don't plant the corn in the same row as whatever. He said, do not plant different seeds in the same row. Do not sow uh, different fabrics together. Don't mix the two, he said, in the Old Testament. And it's like Paul's uh, reference to the ox. You know, don't muzzle the ox. And Paul says, does God care for oxen? No, he's teaching us something here about don't muzzle the ox. He's teaching us in the same way he's teaching about not mixing things. Don't don't have mixture. What, what What is he saying? Do not mix law and grace. Do not mix law and grace. Do not mix flesh and spirit. Do not mix life and death. It's totally separate. Jesus prepared, was preparing them for this new thing that was coming. He said, look, no man takes an old shirt with a hole in it and takes a new shirt and cuts a hole in a new shirt to patch up the hole in the old shirt because it won't hold the old shirt because it'll shrink and pull away and the new shirt is now ruined. He said, you throw away the old shirt and put the new shirt on. That's the new creation. He says, don't put, old, don't put new wine in old wineskins because it will break. It will, he's, he's preparing them for this major change. If I could communicate what I'm feeling, what it looked like when he came on the scene, if I could communicate, saints, they had heard all about sin. They had heard all about the holiness of God. They had heard about all these things, but he brought something completely new when he walked into a town and there were people sick and dying or need of healing. He never asked them if they were obedient before he healed. He never asked them, were they a good person before he did? It was always bring them to me, bring them to me, bring me to them. It was God's grace, the kingdom was coming. Repent, change your mind. God is coming, God is coming, God is coming. God who can raise the dead and call into being that which does not exist. The God who caused light to shine out of darkness has shined into our hearts the light of the revelation of Christ creating us new in Him. He walked on the scene. That's why it was amazing. It was a flow. It was an open door. Heaven was in their midst. Healing and forgiveness. And the Pharisees didn't understand it because he was changing the game completely. He was going to remove sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and raises a new creation. It's awesome. It's awesome, Gray. It's awesome. It's awesome. It is so awesome. It's like... It's like, it's so cool. It's like it glorifies the son's work. It does not glorify the son to say I'm a worm. It glorifies the son to say he has made me righteous. Joseph Prince just had a little uh, thing he put out in his little devotion. I love Joseph Prince. Joseph says it glorifies the son of God to say that he has made me righteous. He saw his travail and was satisfied and we proclaim with all boldness that the Son has made me righteous. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Religion hates this. Amen. It will violently oppose it. It will call it sloppy agape and easy believism. It will ridicule it. But we must be wise as serpents and harmless as doves and not be moved from the simplicity of Christ and boldly boast in our Christ, in our Lord who took our sin from us and separated it from us 
as far as the east is from the west, never to be joined again. It's awesome. Preaching law and preaching grace really is a recipe for disaster. It causes us to see God as schizophrenic. He loves me. He doesn't love me. He's happy with me. He's mad at me. God is not the author of confusion. He is the God of a certain sound. No mixture. No confusion. A little leaven of the law leavens the whole lump. Behold the Christ. Behold his work. Be bold to proclaim it. Believe it. Believe him. Believe him. Believe him. You know, right there where you're sitting, I just want to, I want to invite you to believe him. If you haven't, if you're not a believer here today, you don't have to go anywhere, do anything, but in your heart, say, I believe. Lord, I believe. I believe what you did is so awesome that it's just beyond. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the mind of man what you have done. But the Spirit has revealed it to me. You've done it. And I believe you. I believe. If you're here this morning and you have never said in your heart to Him, Lord, I believe you. You can receive the gift of the Spirit of God right now and be created new in Him. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And you can begin that journey of exploring who He is and who you are in Him. Awesome, awesome discovery. Lord, we just thank You that You're helping us see these awesome things. And I pray that that we would not be afraid to be bold. For we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That you have taken away our sin and no longer counts, you no longer count our sin against us. For in this new covenant, I will remember your sins no more. I will keep a record of your sins no more. And truly, Lord, you have raised us from the dead, a new creation with a new heart. Lord, you have circumcised us away from our bodies. By the hand of God, Colossians says, you cut away the body of the flesh and raised our inner man up. We have been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. We are now one with you and you with us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I in you and you in me, Lord. Awesome miracle. Great mystery. Awesome reality. Help us grow in this reality, Lord, by the Spirit. 
that we would know each other no more after the flesh, but after the Spirit, that we would encourage each other in the truth of this reality, reminding each other that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Brothers, teach us how to love one another, Lord. As we receive the love that you have for us, let us love one another. What an awesome covenant. Thank you, Lord, for this new covenant.